out, algae loves beer too. Defund the police, beer pulled after people lose their fucking minds. The Brewers Association goes through some massive layoffs with some big names. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, truly the greatest podcast ever produced that involves two half-drunk assholes bitching about craft beer. You have to put that little tag at the end to make it qualify, but it stands. That's, <laughs> that is a fact. That is a true fact. Uh, and I'm going with that. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing all right. Uh, we are un- Unfortunately, we're having to do another uh, remote episode because... Uh, there's a tiny, tiny chance that uh, Tyler might have been exposed to somebody who was exposed to somebody who might have the COVID. So I mean, I'm I'm in bars and restaurants all day, and with how many bars and restaurants are having people test positive, and Jeremy and his wife expecting a child soon, figured it's probably on the safer side to do this one remotely. And indeed. And, uh, you know, especially since uh, it, things are sort of blowing up here again in Idaho, so we're having all the fun. But anyway, we this is the uh, uh, the last episode we're doing before we go on a summer break, and I'm sure by the time we get back to doing this in September, everything will be fine. Everything will be, t- you'll, you people will have worked this shit out, and uh, we can uh, go back to normal. Or it'll be a hundred percent worse, and we'll have nothing to talk about. Or yeah, it's post-apocalyptic, and it becomes uh, it. It was all beer. Now it's just you know. It's all white claw. Oh God, and that is the end times. But anyway, uh, before we get to that, we were we wanted to do something a little bit special um, uh, to uh, before we uh, went on break. Um, we d- we both decided to grab uh, uh, three beers. Uh, that were important to us, early, either that got us into craft beer or were like uh, uh, were very important to us early in our craft beer education or experience. So, uh, Tyler, what are you what are you drinking over there? Uh, so I decided to start off with the craft beer that really kind of like got me into craft beer. It wasn't the first craft beer I had, but it's the first craft beer I can remember consistently ordering and just loving and crushing and that was uh sockeye brewing's dagger falls ipa uh it got me into the craft beer when i was in college i had tried a couple other craft beers wasn't a huge fan of some of them but really like this one drank it all the time drank it so much i actually burnt myself out on it couldn't really touch it until about six months ago and then i was like oh i can drink this again (laughs) Been a while. So, well, I guess I, I I have I've had one recently. I've never ever understood that beer. It has a huge following here in Idaho. At one point in time, uh, you might know you probably know the exact, but it was like at one point in time it was like the second or third best selling IPA in the nation, and it wasn't distributed outside of Idaho. I mean, I could I would not be surprised. I've talked to people at Sockeye. And they were telling me, you know, back in the glory days of it, they were running out. They had accounts on a wait list to try to get kegs of it in. So, I mean, it it, it is by far and away the best-selling IPA here. But I have never, I, I don't understand it. It's, it's, it's so bitter, it almost gives me a stomachache. And I... I think part of the reason why I've been able to get back into it is I got hazied out. I wanted a little more of that bitterness. And when I cracked open or when I ordered the first pint of it, you know, trying to see if I could get back into it, it was, I was like, oh yeah, there's that nice citrus grapefruit. Yeah, there is that prominent bitterness there at the end. And it was what I was looking for. See, I even tasted it recently going, I wonder if it's, well, I wonder if I like it now. Nope, nope, still don't, <laughs> not, I, I've never had a Dagger Falls and then stopped afterward and going, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> well, that's the fun part about craft beer. What are you drinking on, Jeremy? So actually, I decided to start off with uh, the House of Gods Brewing uh, Ostara Bach. And if you've never heard of it, it's because it's my own creation. Um I did a start out. Decided to start out with uh, one of my homebrewed beers because uh, for me, 
I'd probably the first the first beer I had that got me into craft beer was my was home brewed beer that me and my dad made when I was he got his first kiss when I was fifteen or sixteen. And it was kind of a father son project to make a to, to make beer out on the uh, back porch and annoy my mother. Um, but uh, and he would uh, he would let me taste it at that point in time. Uh, and so really, some of my first beers, full stop, were uh, home brewed beers. But um, and then even after, then later, a lot of my craft beer experience was centered around making it myself. So I've probably had a lot more of my own, uh, beer than anybody else's. Um, this was, a an, a, this was my first attempt at a traditionally made Bach actually done with a decoction. Oh, nice. Uh, um, so for everyone who's not familiar with what a decoction is, Jeremy, would you like to let them know? <laughs> Uh, it's most basic. It's a step mash, um, and what by what I by which I mean, uh, you uh, when you're mashing your grains to extract the sugars, uh, you do it at three different temperatures. Now, what makes a decoction special is that you uh, you to the way you raise those temperatures is you literally scoop out the the water and grain. You put them in your boil kettle, put fire underneath it, and raise it up to a boil, and then pour that back into your mash tun to raise the temperature. Um, now, uh, supposedly, the act of like literally boiling the grain and water together actually extracts some melanoidins and some uh, fruity flavors that you can't get otherwise. Um, I don't know. I'd have to do this beer just with a traditional, like, uh, with what, which is a single mash to see if it actually did that. But it's, I, it's rather nice. I, I, there's a uh, gentleman who comes to my shop quite frequently who is, uh, who uh, is a big fan of German beers, and uh, he, he says, says, he said I pretty much nailed it. He could tell I did a decoction. Now, um, I don't, I told him I did a decoction, so I'm not sure how he, how, how accurate that is. But you know, there you have it. Yeah, allegedly Sam Adams does a uh, decoction mash for their Boston Lager. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, although doing it on that scale would be a little bit interesting. And I mean, with the, you know, with the advancing and malting of barley right now, you can just order a melanoid and malt. Instead right. of having to do the labor intensive, but I read through uh, Jim Cox or Cook's beer uh, book um, where he talked about starting and founding Sam Adams, and he said in there that when they first started, he wanted it done in a decoction mash specifically. It sort of makes sense. I mean, it is a traditional style. I would, I would imagine you do get something for the uh, for the extra work, but. Uh... Uh, it's the step match is not really normally necessary now with the highly modified uh, uh, barley you can buy, but it was an experience and it it led to something that's that's very good. Um, I'm I'm happy with it. I'll have to try it again just with a, just a, a a single step match to see if really that uh, is the case. Yeah. Well, let's get uh, let's get right into everything. Let's do. So to get started, uh, it was actually kind of funny. Uh, as we were sitting down talking before we started recording, uh, we were discussing what articles we found. And I was like, oh, I found this really cool article on Bloomberg. And Jeremy goes, I think I found it too. And turns out we both found it. So it's interesting. I, I mean, besides like a major story. Where we both go into like we 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 both sit down and know that we both have that to talk about, you know I'm like Ballast Point getting bought or something like that. This yeah. I think is the first time we actually sat down and we both picked the same story accidentally, and I'm surprised it took the better part of a year. Yeah, or over a year. Yeah, over a year I think. So there you go. There's a first. <laughs> so. um the article is by Bloomberg Green, uh, and it's talking about a brewery in Sydney, Australia, uh, called Young Henry's, um, where they're actually feeding their CO2 emissions uh, to tanks of hungry algae 
to help reduce their carbon footprint and their pollution levels. Uh, so if you're not familiar with brewing beer, uh, the process of brewing beer releases a lot of CO2 and uses up a lot of CO2. Um, with In the article, they actually talk to make just one six-pack of beer uh, would take a tree two days to absorb that amount of C- the CO2 waste. And that's just one six-pack. And that's just the, uh, uh, the fermentation side of it. I mean, I don't think they're even factoring in uh, since a lot purging of purging tanks, per, well, purging tanks, but I'm not, I mean, it's also an energy intensive process. So I don't think it's even factoring in, um, CO2 generated from, uh, burning propane or, or natural, uh, gas, natural or... gas or whatever that, yeah, whatever they're using to, uh, heat their, uh, heat their liquid and, um, and, and never mind the electricity to cool, to, to cool tanks, to, uh, chill coolers. We're just talking about the CO2, uh, produced during fermentation so yep and not counting the co2 for purging tanks transferring uh carbonating the beer because as you're carbonating you're also letting out some co2 so it's flowing through solution so a lot of co2 goes out into the atmosphere at a brewery a lot of gas being produced sometimes by <laughs> the brewer only if he has beans that day Uh, But they're trialing a process to feed the greenhouse gas into tanks of river algae native to Australia that can turn the CO2 back into oxygen. Uh, Oscar McManon, uh, their co-founder, said one take of algae is capable of creating the equivalent amount of oxygen as one hectare of Australian bush. I'm assuming he's talking about the plants, not the genital hair. But I was going to say, um, yeah, well, there's a lot of ox- there's a lot of oxygen to be reduced in the crotch of Australians. We all know this. <laughs> it's well known. I don't know. No, he's talking about like the, the obviously he's talking about uh, uh, about wildland or Australian wildlands. I didn't. I'm not sure what he's referring to exactly, but when he says the Australian bush, I'm thinking like the type of landscape you get if you head east of Boise here. Which is basically yeah. sagebrush, uh, crabgrass, uh, tumbleweeds. A few trees. And... Yeah, it's that, and then add a kangaroo or two. So and a bunch of animals that can kill you. And yeah, every every poisonous thing on the fucking planet. <laughs> that <laughs> continent is terrible, but uh, but also not terribly conducive to a to a to a CO two sink. So. Uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of a, I thought that was kind of an odd example, but hey, whatever works. Yep, uh, they talk about how uh, the Australian bush can take a long time to grow, whereas they can grow a tank of algae within weeks, uh, which I found was kind of super cool. They're producing this to help reduce their carbon footprint, but also this is an algae native to Australia, so if it does somehow end up getting into their river system it's not going to cause chaos well and it sounds like they are using their brewery i mean the <coughs> i have a drinking problem um oh, us- sure it sounds like you got a covid19 <laughs> problem um there sounds like they're using their brewery as kind of a laboratory to uh to uh develop and expand this process that you know with hopes that they can uh, then ramp it up and use it in other industries. Yeah, uh, he said he's confident it could be scaled up to bigger breweries. They're not the only breweries focusing on, you know, sustainability. ABM Dev, Carlsberg, and a couple others they mentioned in the article are doing different things to try to reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, they said it hold they hold the algae in a 400-liter tank. So... I was like, about a hundred gallon tank, little over. Now the strange, my... now the strange part about this was there's a little bit of a tag at the end, but because they are doing craft beer, uh, they have to get weird. Um, 
of course, this process produces a lot of algae, you know, like like you would because you're feeding the fuckers. <laughs> it's like uh, pitching a yeast into a beer and all of a sudden when it's done fermenting, there was more yeast. Imagine that. Um, you know, they're, they're exploring some ways to uh, sell the algae and fertilizer and, um, and to make uh, plastics and other industrial things. But they're also exploring it because it is craft beer. As an as an ingredient to the beer, did you heard that part? <laughs> yeah, I I didn't. I was like, you know what? I'd be totally down to try an algae infused beer. They they and... haven't ventured into it yet, but they have plans that uh, include using the algae to add color and flavor. So if you've ever been drinking a beer and thought, you know what, this beer is good, but it doesn't really taste like stagnant pond water that mom used to make, maybe there's something waiting for you in Australia. Hey, that is one way to have a green beer for St. Patty's Day that I could get behind. Ooh, uh, I, I guess I have to try it first. I mean, if it's if it's decent, then I'm kind of on board. But I mean, it's better than food colored Bud Light. I well, yeah, everything, anything is. So, and this is helping the environment, Jeremy. So I'd say, I stand... if they do it. We chug a beer. I stand by uh, 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 the, uh, the the beer I made and named um, at uh, our tap room called uh, Green Beer is for Wussies. So, that's my official stance. Didn't the owner of the place you work at also then try to put on a green beer at the same time? No, he did that the year previous. Oh, uh, Okay. Last year, he, uh, he he bought a keg of Melvin 2x4 and, and had uh, the distributor add greed and food coloring. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. It was this this year, I feel like that would have probably <laughs> been awkward. <laughs> you know, yep. with, with my beer called Green Beers. For, I'm basically, I, I'm, I'm anti-green beer altogether. Algae infused or food coloring infused or otherwise. Please don't make the beer green. Unless it has that many hops, in which case we'll talk. Uh, if it has that many hops, it's going to taste like a vegetable-y fucking mess. But it, and, an, and an algae beer won't? <laughs> I, I feel the algae beer will be less, like, vegetable-y in that. I feel like if you added that many hops, it turned fucking green. It'd be like juicing a fucking hop through a fucking juicer. And then just shotgunning it. There are people, and you know them and I know them, who if you juiced a hop in a juicer and handed them that that liquid, they would shoot it. Oh, yeah. And also that sounds and, like a... I think I want to add that and to then they would, And then they would be like, you got anything hoppier? Yes. They're, and then they would drink a Dagger Falls. And hey, we'd low, blow. <laughs> low blow. Then low blow. Low blow. Speaking of which, I'm on my second beer. You? Uh, I'm finishing up the first one. Okay. Well, I'm on to uh, my second. Um, what are you drinking? This is Stone's Arrogant Bastard. Um, this is the first beer I remember. Well, it's the first like craft beer I remember uh, distinctly uh, drinking over and over again. Um but the weird thing about it is, uh, when I was drinking it a lot, didn't like it. Uh, you you know, just liked the name, didn't you? My friends uh, at the time uh, liked the name, and you know they liked and the, uh, the 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 demon on the bottle, and of and being arrogant bastards themselves, uh, you know, felt it a a uh, a an homage to them. And you know, peer pressure being what it is, I'm like, oh yeah, this this is really good. I I really it tasted like metal to me at the time. I seem to remember it like tasting like metal. I mean, arrogant bastard. I always loved the label. I loved the tagline. It was a great marketing, and I feel it got stoned to where it was because of its marketing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, but the, I never liked the beer. The tagline: "You are not worthy." Uh, I mean the the, the 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 back the back of the label text is a work of you know beer poetry. I don't know if you remember what it says, but 
I don't. Shall I read it? Yep. Fire away. <laughs> this is an aggressive beer. You probably won't like it. It's quite doubtful that you have the taste or sophistication to be able to appreciate an ale of this quality and depth. We would suggest you safe, stick to a safer, more familiar territories. Maybe something with a multi-million dollar ad campaign aimed at convincing you to made it in a little brewery or one that applies their tasteless, fizzy yellow beer will give you more sex appeal. Perhaps you think a multi-million dollar ad campaigns make beer taste better. Perhaps you're mouthing these words as you read this. We believe that pandering to the lowest common denominator resents the height of tyranny, a virtual form of keeping the consumer barefoot and stupid. Brought forth upon an unsuspecting public in 1997, arrogant bastard ale openly challenged the tyrannical overlords who were brazenly attempting to keep Americans chained to the shackles of poor taste. Since the very beginning of Arrogant Bastard has revealed its unprecedented and uncompromising celebration of intensity, they have made many nods to er there have been many nods to Arrogant Bastard Ale, even outright attempts to copy it, but only one could ever embody the true nature of liquid arrogance. They've edited that they've changed up that last part, but you get the idea. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> um and so it's been a while since I had one, but I mean, you did have that Jägermeister collaboration with True. Arrogant Bastard. That was pretty awful. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, it's still not my favorite. It's like a lot of like, it's like a little bit of roasted malt, a shit ton of hops. Uh, I can, I, I, you know what? I now question whether even my friends actually enjoyed this. I think we were all... <laughs> I think all of us were just drinking this going, yeah, this is great. We're arrogant bastards. And in our heads going, God, what I wouldn't wouldn't give for a wussy, fizzy yellow beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, it's... I don't think it's a beer... It achieved, it achieved its purpose. Yes. I mean, it's kind of the prime example of an American strong ale, which is um, basically... You know, over the top in every way, especially hops. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I wouldn't order. I, I I wouldn't get a lot. Yeah, well, I just cracked into my second beer, um, and I opened up the New Belgium Fat Tire. Uh, New Belgium Fat Tire Amber. Kind of the quintessential got you started in craft beer for most people in the Northwest. Um, in college, had a buddy who lived in Denver his whole life, uh, lived in Fort Collins for a long time. So we'd always meet up because we got finished with class around like nine in the morning every Tuesday and Thursday. So we'd meet up, go buy a 12 pack of fat tire and drink it until we had a, and each drink six beers till we had to go to our next class at about like noon. So Jesus Christ! <laughs> I've, the more I learn about your college life, the more I'm I, I'm convinced that you were. You, I mean, you had gone beyond just like college alcoholism. I mean, you were flirting with actual like alcoholism there. <laughs> yeah, it got <laughs> bad sometimes. Uh, but no, so I mean. A solid amber ale. I mean, nothing that kind of blows my skirt back, but it is nothing that offends me either. So, Fat Tire still a beer I can go back to this day if I'm in a random airport and don't see anything appealing on tap. Do they have Fat Tire? Yeah, which is basically everywhere. You know, they'll yeah even places even. Even uh, uh, your shitty little bar these days in the middle of the mountains of Idaho will have Budweiser, Coors, and Fat Tire. Yeah. So I mean, come with you. I mean, it's 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 a it's it's a good one that's everywhere, and it's it's decent. Yeah, it's not the greatest beer you'll ever drink, but you'll definitely drink worse. Absolutely. Well, on to the next thing. Uh, goddamn people are incredible assholes news now. No. 
Wading into politics, uh, I think, is pretty universally uh, uh, a bad idea. Bad idea. I mean, just in general, uh, I think you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> just don't say anything political that can be even a, even taken politically, uh, or you're gonna have a bad time. Especially if you're running a business, uh, and including, of course, uh, uh, the beer industry. Uh, it's treacherous waters at best and potentially catastrophic at worst. Uh, but I think we can both agree that a brewery, uh, if they decide to, to, to make a statement, shouldn't have to fear for their fucking lives. Uh, this oh, shit. This actually comes from porchdrinking.com. Uh, it's by Tristan Cham. Um, I love porch drinking. <laughs> they have a dot com when they do beer news. I hadn't heard about them until I found this article, but um so breweries all over the country are doing the collaboration beer from Weathered Souls called Black is Beautiful, but Bronx Brewing upped the ante um and announced last Friday, uh Juneteenth, that they would be releasing a beer called Defund the Police. Uh and Ooh. pledged and pledged $1,000 from sales of that beer to support a, a group called Communities for Police Justice Reform. Um, so, <clears throat> inflammatory? Possibly. Hot uh, button? 100%. Hot button? Uh, yeah, controversial. Very. Uh, but the res- actually the response the, uh, the brewery got was actually terrifying. The owners and staff reported... Uh, receiving several threats, uh, including violent threats, uh, made to their lives and the lives of their families uh, all hours of the day. And uh, uh, there were no specifics in the article, but it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to uh, imagine, you know, the horribly misspelled all caps tirades they were uh, possibly getting. From Guidos all over the New York area. Indeed. Um, so, uh, but anyway, uh, unfortunately, or at least in, in my view, unfortunately, uh, they decided to not release the beer after all. They're still going to make the $1,000 contribution. But in a statement that sounds way too close to an apology, um, they, they said, um, <clears throat> in the past week, we've come under the, we've, We've come to understand that the phrase defund the police. Hold on, I've got to. <clears throat> Over the past week, we've got to, we've come to understand that the phrase defund the police is one that, for many, doesn't start a conversation; it stops it, or worse. Since sharing our intention to create a beer called Defund the Police last Friday, our team has received violent threats to our lives and our families at all hours of the day. They've been constant. They've been all-consuming, and they've been frankly terrifying. It has become clear that the way to choose the the way we chose to join this conversation wasn't encouraging the dialogue needed to promote positive change. A beer by that name wasn't going to drive a greater understanding of the opportunity at hand. So, in that in mind, we will not produce this beer. But it's important that we have the conversation. Our goal has always been to bring people into this historical moment and to help them share some of the education about what that means. And they go on to to, to describe to talk about their uh, to about their what what defund the police means to them, um, and it ends with we'll keep working to be better to keep listening, learning, and growing for our community and for the city and for each other. Now, um, again, sounds way too close for to an apology. You can agree or disagree with their stance. That's your right, and it's also your right to. Uh, to not buy that beer or to never go to that brewery again. I feel like going to like voting with your dollars is, you know, is your, is, is your right. That is your American right. Yeah. And frankly, the only one, the only one left uh, uh, open to you, I think once uh, corporate America has their say, it's basically the only right they're going to leave you. But um, so, I mean, but being, uh, but uh, uh, death threats, Holy shit. Yeah, that's that's taking it too far. It's like in a sporting event when someone misses a game-winning field goal or a game-winning shot and they start getting death threats. Um and which actually that's 
th- that in and to me is why I kind of, you know, I mean, I'm not there. I'm not the one receiving him, and I'm a fucking coward. The first time I, that you or I say something on this podcast that annoys someone and they send us a death threat, I'm hiding under the table, probably peeing myself. I'm telling them to suck my grundle. <laughs> yeah, fair, but that you've always uh, that that'll be uh, uh that'll be your stance, and I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm gonna be hiding. I'll, I'll text you my fucking address. Come try to shoot your way in, <laughs> motherfucker. See what you have to. So if just anybody listening, keep this in mind. If Tyler pisses you off. Know that he's from northern Idaho and therefore probably armed. Very armed. <clears throat> Just, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, but, uh, no, it got me, like, thinking a lot about, you know, obviously, I think a lot of breweries make a conscious decision to, to for a good reason, not to wade into politics. Um, because, you know. It's a zero-sum game. Well, I don't. It's not. It's not even that. It's just there's no. There's very little upside to it. Um, I mean, the. Well, I would say at one point in time there's no upside to it because all you do is alienate. You know, maybe a portion of your customers. And beer is fun, and politics isn't. Yeah, and I mean, I feel if you're gonna get into politics. You have to kind of do it like Black is Beautiful did it. You can't take a hard stance on a narrow issue. Even if you're focusing on that same issue, you need to make it broader and not name it something that is only interpreted that way. I mean, this this is an extreme case. I mean, I would definitely question the uh, the wisdom of uh, naming your beer uh, defund the police. Although after their response, um, I, that was a very real part of me that wants to brew a beer called defund the police. Just <laughs> the hard part is is usually alcohol beverage control in every state is a division of the police force of that state. Fair. So you're going to run into it. You're probably going to upset someone there, too. Yeah. I, so I'm like, you're, you're you're pissing off people that have the means to make your life more unne- unnecessarily difficult. Fair. But, I mean, also, there's there is a certain charm into giving everybody the finger. Oh, 100%. I mean, flipping the bird to the authority. I give you props. But But when it comes to your business and you do that, maybe take a step back and think again. But I'm, I'm, first of all, I mean, I'm noticing two things. I'm actually kind of noticing it a lot here. Um, I mean, it's always been... It's always been uh, uh, perilous to make a statement of any kind. Um, I mean, never mind, you know, naming a beer something, just making a statement that says, hey, we at so-and-so brewery believe X. <clears throat> You're bound to piss people people off. But um, not Especially always... if that view goes in the state of Idaho against the right side of the aisle. Correct. Um uh, although they did, they made this in uh, in you know this was Bronx Brewing in New York City, so you know they were pretty well insulated. But it turns out the internet works everywhere. Um, yeah, I also feel even in like the New York area, because I feel like NYPD has such a status and a stigma to people that you're gonna catch a good amount of blowback off that. Oh yeah, I think I, well I don't think you go into that. I, I mean, I bet I bet if you if you make a conscious decision that you know we're going to we're going to make this beer, we feel strongly about you know, and I I kind of glossed over what they what what defund the police actually means to them, and it's you know it's it's a nuanced um, you know it, they're promoting a nuanced approach to policing is the the is the uh, the simplest way to mention it, but if yeah, you, but even if you believe. Um, uh, something that strongly, 
um, yeah, it's you're you're gonna have to expect some blowback. I mean, we mentioned when uh, Withered Souls even started out uh, um, with Black is Beautiful, and I think it was Aust- was it Austin Beer Works that said they were gonna do a version, and they were happy to be losing some customers. Yeah, so the owner of Awesome Beer Works tweeted out, can't wait to do this beer. Never been more excited to lose customers. Right. But, I mean, that's a good example. I mean, it's not as inflammatory or controversial or whatever word you want to want want to to use as this one. But, um, I mean, even this, and this is where it's getting a little bit, you know, it's, it's dangerous to make a political statement, but it's almost hard not to at some point in time. And, uh, you know, by, unfortunately, by brewing Black is Beautiful, you are sort of kind of making one. Yes. And uh, to me, make the statements that you want, but the death threats coming in if someone doesn't agree with you or says something that you don't like is... Over yeah, the line. That's obvious. Yeah, that's quite obvious. Well, and it. So we were. I mean, this is this is almost like the you know the the polar opposite of this, but we there was a re- recently a fiasco here in town, where a bar posted on social media, um, that they it I think they posted something that sort of kind of meant as a joke or something kind of snarky. Where they basically said, "Oh, I'm glad it was all the bar crowd that spread the virus," and then they posted pictures of Black Lives Matter protests. I think they they uh, uh, meant it to be a, a a kind of funny joke. Uh, it was not taken as such. Uh, very, yeah, very few people found it funny. Uh, they actually took it down pretty quickly, uh, only to have people already screenshotted, and it's it's. It's been uh, uh, what people have been yelling about uh, here in town for at least two days, maybe three. Yeah, and t- by taking it down, it makes it worse. But for but see, when I was reading this, that because uh, you we talked about it earlier, you and you said we, that that kind of resonated with me. Like, fuck it. I mean, I don't know. Death threats are death threats, but you almost want want to want to. Uh, 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 you know, release the beer anyway. Fuck, fuck uh, uh, all these people. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I mean, when push comes to shove, you never know. If, especially in today's day, if a death threat is actually true, you assume ninety percent of them You're, are just keyboard warriors trying to talk shit. They're well. They're trying to yeah. They're you, they're talking some shit and trying to silence you. But you also, I mean, but you have to take it seriously because the one guy. It only like, takes one. Yeah, and uh, so, but I don't know. That's I wish they wouldn't have framed it as an apology. I mean, if, at very least, it does come off as an apology, which I uh, kind of what you said. I would have. It, it would have been better. I think they said. No, we stand. We stand by this. We're taking it down because we care about the lives of our family and the families of our employees. Mm-hmm. Because that's a factor now. You fucking assholes. Yeah. But you know, we we did this, and we think it was a good thing. I mean, I can kind of understand where they were like, okay, obviously we may have we may have uh, 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 done something just a little bit too extreme, but. But at the end of the day, it wasn't as extreme as threatening to kill someone for a differing view. Right. Yeah, that's... But uh, that's what happens when uh, uh, craft beer and the real world mix. It's it's not a good thing. Uh, Real world, stay away from craft beer if you can. (laughs) Well... And you know what? I, I, I lament the fact that, you know, I mean... Again, maybe a little bit inflammatory, probably not the best decision, but it would be nice to be able to, to for craft beer to be used to like have these conversations because as they yeah. say, they we you know, they need to happen. And Yeah. And to me is what happened to the day when 
if someone differed with you, you could sit down, talk it out, and then if they made a good point or you made a good point, people would acknowledge it, and if and you can change your opinion or stay with your opinion, but choose to be civil with each other. Yeah, those days are over. Welcome to the new age, where we fuck we, me, where, where where we scream at each other nonstop, and then um, <laughs> and it's it's perfect. It never nothing, nothing ever ever uh, goes bad from that. No, never. Tyler, you had something kind of sort of tied in though. Yeah. So speaking of some breweries changing up. Uh, Dixie Brewery out of New Orleans, which if you've ever been to New Orleans, you will see Dixie everywhere. It's funny you mention that because I don't remember seeing them anytime I went to New Orleans. Now, really? Beta was everywhere, and I found New Orleans Brewing. I weirdly mm-hmm. found go- uh, something Magnolia. I want to say Golden Magnolia. Sweet Magnolia. Sweet Magnolia out of Mississippi. But mm-hmm. I never did. But I mean, when you when you went down there and said you found Dixie everywhere, I never. I don't remember mm-hmm. running into Dixie. But so Dixie originally was brewed uh, in New Orleans. The brewery was founded in nineteen oh seven. They just built a new brewing facility down there this year, um, and uh, they changed ownership several times, uh, and. It was destroyed by Katrina in 2005, so they were contract brewed till they got the new facility brewed up after that. Uh, but the owners, Gail Benson and Tom Benson, are changing the name uh, of Dixie Brewing to a name that hasn't been decided yet, but does not reference the Confederacy. Um, I was kind of... I was a bit curious of like so they're going. I mean, I'm like I, I, I mean, Dixie refers to the South, so I was kind of curious where, where the problem with that is. But I'm like, oh, actually, no, yeah, it was a term used by the Confederacy, and that's not a great thing at the best of times. <laughs> yeah. So in the article by Brewbound, they say Dixie commonly referred used to refer to the South has ties to both the Mason-Dixon line the line that divided the free states and the slave states, mm-hmm. and the $10 notes issued by the Citizens Bank of New Orleans for were called a Dix, French for 10. <laughs> D-I-X, Jeremy. Get your mind out of the gutter. In New Orleans, I refuse. That's where your brain <laughs> belongs in New Orleans. <laughs> yes. Uh, what? But Ten di- what? What? Fu- Five dicks for a beer? No, that's too much for a beer, mate. I don't know why he's a cockney. I just... That'd be 50 bucks for a fucking beer. I know, it is too much, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. And, you know, the, the weird, bad British accent man is right. That is too much. <laughs> but uh, in the press release they released, it said, With inclusive input from all of our community stakeholders... We are preparing to change the name of our brewery and products that we that carry the Dixie brand, and these conversations will determine what brand will best represent our culture and community. So I vote for defund the police. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, they did also go on to say, we recognize, however, that our nation and community are currently engaged in critical conversations about racism and systematic or systemic social issues that have caused a measurable pain and oppression of our black and brown communities. Uh, as New Orleans, our com- country, as New Orleans and our country continue to evolve, we find it necessary to reflect on the role our brewery can play in making our home more united, strong, and resilient for future generations. Oh, good for them. I mean, that's the the fact that they can recognize that. And yeah, I, it's, uh, it makes a lot of sense where you kind of look at, I mean, it's, it's gotta be uh, a little bit 
well, first of all, the sheer amount of money it will take to rebrand and and all that is you know not insignificant. So well done, being willing to make take that take that uh, uh, step. But having that self awareness is good for them. I mean, she also owns the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and oh, then fuck her, she's fine. So <laughs> I'm sure she's not looking forward to taking that hit, but she got a majority share in Dixie in 2017 um, and so she's got some money to back it up but I thought it was you know very respectable that she took the time and said okay you know we acknowledge our communities may not see it in the same way as it originally was intended so we want to rename it to something that will be more conducive to the city as a whole and ultimately help sales. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, we could, I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, well, getting, getting close to a, a, a couple hundred years on, I think we can stop referencing the Confederacy at some point. I know I yeah. know that upsets a lot of people, but I mean, yeah, let's just it, it wasn't a great uh, it wasn't a great thing. So let's just stop referencing it. My whole thing is I just can't cheer for a loser that long. I mean, <laughs> maybe y'all are Cleveland Brown fans, but nobody cheers for the loser of the fucking Super Bowl and says, ah, oh, the soup, this team will win the Super Bowl next year unless you're a diehard fan of that team. Everyone else is like, ah, oh, fuck it, that team lost, they suck. And the South will rise again, just not their IQ. <laughs> now send all death threats to Tyler. <laughs> oh. He's the one who will tell, tell you to lick his grundle. Yeah. It'll taste just like Bourbon Street. <laughs> it's been there enough. It's only been there once, <laughs> but it was there to a to a, an amazing extent. I think. Well, it, it hit it hard. All right, Tyler, you into your third beer yet? Uh just getting ready to crack open. I saw you cracked yours. What are you drinking? Well, so um, I'm drinking um, Rogues Hazelnut Brown Nectar. Okay. Um, this is not actually. So I guess this would be like this would be the example of the first craft beer I actually liked uh, but it this was among them but I mean there was a time early in my uh, in my uh, craft beer education where I it was the Shakespeare stout um, and there was another like I want to say there was a chocolate porter of some kind was it one of the voodoo ones or no this was way before voodoo Um I can I can sort of kind of picture the uh, the the label, but um, it had a it had a guy in a uh, in a baseball hat with a bar of chocolate, given like the rogue fist. Um, but uh, I the anyway, this was a, among them was the 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 hazelnut brown nectar, which was you know a really nice uh, darker. Um, really smooth flavored uh, uh, brown ale. Don't think I've had one in this decade. Come to come to think of it, and <laughs> I've got to say it's yeah, that's that's actually a really nice uh, uh, hazelnut uh, nut brown. Nice. But, well, I just cracked open my third beer, and. It is Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. Old school. Yep. Kind of that OG Pale Ale. Um, this was the first craft beer I can really remember drinking slash having someone purchase for me because I wasn't 21 yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so really old school. Yeah. Uh, and... I just remember I tried it for the first time and was like, that is way too hoppy. <laughs> and to this day, to Jeremy's dismay, I think Dagger Falls is 
a little smoother than Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. I mean, it's okay. I will allow you to be wrong, Tyler. It's... I don't know. Your palate is fucked up if Dagger Falls is smoother than uh, uh, Sierra Nevada's Pale, but, you know... And and it's not necessarily, like, a hop smoother. I think Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is just so overly floral that... It's 100% Cascade hops, yes. So it's just so overly floral that my palate doesn't like it as much. Um, I guess I kind of understand that because I got to I mean, to be honest, Sierra Nevada's Pale was never really um, Mirror Pond. I liked Mirror Pond quite a lot. I still do. Yep. Um, although, and, again, I don't think I've had one in this decade. Yeah, you have. You had it on our last oh, summer break episode. Right. Yes, we did a round of pails. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, Sierra Nevada. That was in 2019, so still not this decade, though. Ha! Loophole. Oh. Oh, depends. Oh, oh, depends where you put the decade cut at. <laughs> Sorry, I just so, wanted to, I just needed to do that to you. Fuck you, Jeremy. Fair enough. Uh, well, time to get back to a couple articles. Uh, so, in some shitty COVID news right now. Oh, good, because I we're 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 lacking in that this episode. <laughs> I know. We were surprisingly, like, optimistic going into the summer. I just had to put a damper on it. All right. Tell us how everything's the worst again. So, in an article on Westward uh, by Jonathan Sykes, uh, the Brewers Association uh, did another round of layoffs this week. Uh, In that round, they laid off kind of the face, one of their front-facing and biggest voice of craft beer, Julia Hers. Oh, Jesus. So, I personally didn't recognize the name when I saw it. Well, but, I mean, once... I I, I didn't recognize the name, but when they had a picture of her... I mean, it's one of those things you're like, oh, I've seen her about. I've seen her around. Uh, Yeah. She looked familiar. So uh, this is the second round of layoffs. Um, it between the this round they let go eight people uh, to total twenty four total people in the two rounds, or about thirty five percent of their workforce. Good God! So uh, they released a statement that said, "Like most of you, the Brewers Association has not been untouched by the current global health pandemic." An economic crisis. Um, with this here, despite our best efforts to weather the impacts of these, so they had to cancel several events and turn it kind of, and then turn GABF, their biggest event, into an online only event. Which, on the plus side, does mean I might be able to like attend a part of it. Which I had. I can't remember if this was it was this article or a different article. Uh, uh, it was this article. So they're talking uh, the cost of the program for GABF will kind of range twenty to fifty dollars for the online program this year. Not bad. Uh, by the cancellation and moving these events online, they have lost nearly 70% of their annual revenue. It's not good. <laughs> so, <clears throat> that's kind of mind-boggling when you step back and think, oh, yeah, you know, you cancel World Beer Cup, you basically cancel GABF, and any other like homebrew con and that you're basically just hamstringing yourself for the betterment of everyone but and then not realizing that the membership dues that breweries pay really doesn't amount to much uh you're gonna have to start charging for that uh for that little symbol they're putting on the um putting on bottles or something uh (laughs) (laughs) be five dollars to use the independent craft seal i'm sorry and budweiser you could use it for like a hundred bucks we'll let you put it on a lease you just please someone pay us money um yeah 
No, that's... I, it makes sense since, I mean, the primary function of the BA, besides being a kind of uh, lobbying group and, um, you know, promotional group for, you know, an industry group for the, for craft beer in general, um, their big function is to put on those, these huge events. And so again, you've mentioned that they've been pretty much all gone away. And so that's their revenue. That's, that's it. Um, probably, probably making it hard to do a lot of the advocacy they would otherwise be doing these days. Yeah, and I mean the fact that they had to let go one of their most like prominent forward-facing faces in hers, um, just kind of shows you how big of dire straits they are in. Well, that one, kinda, I mean, even when I read that article, I'm kind of did it mention? I mean, what? Probably, there probably is no reason other than they kind of looking at the, looking at two columns of numbers, going well, fuck. I mean, there's not yeah. much. There's not much use for a front woman when there's nothing to front. Yeah, when everything's shut down and you're just trying to struggle to stay alive. And I'm sure they're not having a ton of new breweries sign up for a Brewers Association membership right now. Probably not a lot. This is. There's not a lot of not a lot of new breweries and and they may be losing a couple of memberships too to uh, to uh, them not existing anymore. Yeah, um, the article does mention they couldn't reach hers for a comment, but did reference one of her tweet that said, "Thanks for all the good wishes and outreach. I'll be back at my virtual desk on Monday to reply to the many kind thoughts and offers." All options are on the table to consider. Nice. Well, so. she's she's got enough presence in the industry. I'm, you know, there's got to be some somewhere that uh, uh, where she can go. But that's that's a hell of a hit to the BA. Yeah, and I'm like my question that kind of poses up, and I'd be curious what your thoughts would be because I don't see this going ending any time before the end of this year. How many more people do you think get let go from the Brewers Association? Well, I mean, it it depends on... I, I don't know enough about their organization to say one way or the other. I mean, at this point in time, if I'm running the BA right now and I'm having to make these cuts, I'm making these cuts to the point where this is literally the skeleton crew. This is the... These are the people that are you know, are keeping the lights on, making the coffee, keeping the contacts, allowing us to be able to do, you know, what to fulfill our function um, as best as we can now and to be able to regain where we where we go uh, going forward. So, I mean, that's that's me. I would be sort of surprised if they do a bunch more layoffs because I think at some point in time you just – you, you, uh, uh, you just bite down on a on a stick. You cut what needs to be cut to the point where you're like, okay, we can get through the rest of this year with this staff, and hopefully that is enough to 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 weather this fucking disaster. And when we come out the other side, we have we have the resources, we have the people to begin rebuilding this organization into what it was and what it's meant to do. So I'm guess that's my wishful thinking is that somebody is, is that sort of forward thinking, but I'm saying they do one more round of cuts that take it to like between 45 to 50% of their original employment level. I mean, again, I don't know enough about that organization to know, I mean, how many people do you really need to, I mean, it's still like on some level, do the advocacy, do the lobbying, um, uh, be able to, uh, you know, to be able to, to provide the services that uh, the BA does provide breweries uh, to keep, you know, to, to keep those membership, uh, um, to keep those, uh, keep the membership up and keep people engaged in this organization but i would i mean again kind of hoping that 
that is if they're if they're axing one of their primary you know one of their one of their primary spokespeople that says that they're this they're is, getting close to skeleton yeah this is this is cutting pretty this is cutting pretty deep so i don't know you know i don't again i don't know how much deeper one could cut yeah well i mean but yeah, we could be simply I, surprised I was going to say, I hope that they pull through this and don't take too many more losses, but... Well, we're... I mean... We, we'll have to see. I mean, the next the next round of losses just could be the... You know what? Uh, it's going to be about three of us in an office for the rest of 2021. Uh, we'll see you assholes on the other side. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Strap in, folks! <laughs> you and the like hundred craft breweries that actually make it through this. Yep. Um, well, I couldn't end everything on a bad note, so I do have a little fun, lighthearted news oh, clip here. Thank the gods. Who's ABM Bev giving a puppy to? <laughs> no one. Uh, so Boulevard Brewing out of Missouri. Ah, Boulevard. I love those guys. Used to... Uh, Go ahead. I drank so much of their Irish dry stout at uh, Kansas City Irish Fest every year. I love it. Uh, well, the, they are apparently big Kansas City Chiefs fans. That makes sense. Uh, big, big Kansas City everything. Um, so they originally were supposed to be releasing a beer to celebrate the Chiefs' second Super Bowl. That they the that Chiefs fan had to wait fifty years in between Super Bowls to get. Uh, and the name of the beer was called Worth the Wait. Uh, it was supposed to be released April second. But because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, it forced the delay <sighs> of the Imperial Red Ale to just recently. So um, quite literally worth the wait. Yes. So it was very fitting with the name. Uh, this is an article by the Kansas City Star, uh, and they talk about uh, the beer a little bit. Um, so on Monday, June 22nd, they were started distributing throughout the Midwest, part of Texas, and Arizona, and of course at their location, the Worth the Way. It sold in 25-ounce bottles. Uh, it's Jesus. red and gold label to symbolize the Kansas City Chiefs colors. Of course, due to copyright laws and everything, they can't have the Chiefs logo or the Super Bowl trophy on it. Fuck you, uh, NFL. Fuck you right <laughs> in your puckered assholes. <laughs> but they did have 1969 and 2019 on the label to represent the 50-year gap. Um with this here uh, for winning that Super Bowl. Apparently, they've also done this with a couple other people. Uh, in 2015, when the Royals won the World Series, they released a Crown Town Ale, and when the Kansas City MLS team won, they released a Championship Ale to celebrate that. So... Makes sense, yeah. But, well, glad it's finally out. Uh, if you're in Kansas City, uh, send me one. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, or Arizona or Texas or the Midwest, you can get bottles of it as well. It's being distributed. So. I mean, Boulevard was pretty widely distributed. I was, I had, I mean, Boulevard, the Boulevard wheat was as prominent as Widmere is out here. Okay. So it's. It's pretty. I mean, it and it, it, it's very similar too. So I, I always kind of, I always kind of associated with uh, a Boulevard as the uh, the Widmere of the Midwest, except not now right. wholly owned by AB InBev and uh, still making good beer. Like I said, uh, they they always sponsor the Kansas City Irish Fest that I went to uh, when I was living in Omaha and. Uh, yeah, uh, drank many, many pints of their uh, Irish stout, and it's delicious even on uh, a August uh, day in Kansas City, which is at best miserable. <laughs> but the music was good. Good. 
Well, Tyler, anything else today? Be good to one another and have fun this summer and drink lots. <laughs> well, this has been It's All Beer. Um, uh, as always, uh, if you have news stories, well, they're going to have to wait for a little while, but sure, send them to us anyway. We'll get a good uh, build-up. Maybe we'll do like a midsummer episode like we did last time. Maybe find a guest. Maybe just do like if, a, if enough news happens, maybe we uh, wake up uh, for a, an afternoon, jump on and uh, quickly talk about it. But uh, uh, if you have beer news that you're dying for us to uh, uh, to talk about, you can uh, send it to us. Uh, it's uh, at allbeer at gmail.com. Uh, you can find all the articles we use to do this podcast on our Twitter page. Uh, we're at It's All Beer One, uh, and we're on Facebook and Instagram. I take pictures when we are are uh, are uh, recording, and I put them up there in case any of you people want to see. If you've forgotten what an arrogant bastard looks like, you only need to see Tyler sitting across from me. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find that on our Facebook and Instagram page. And, uh, sure, why not? Uh, you can uh, uh, rate the podcast on Facebook or on iTunes and possibly some other places. If you feel so inclined, do so. Um, it makes uh, it, it makes Tyler so happy he pees a little. Just a scooch. Just not like a full-on drenching his pants. Just a like, little, 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 little... Couple ball. drops. Yeah, you know, just a... <laughs> Take I'm off. not like Miles Davis. God, no, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yes, and so uh, for until sometime in uh, September, uh, we'll we'll be back with you all. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. And also, yeah, have a good summer. I expect all this uh, uh, this whole world to be cleaned up when we get back. So you people work on that, and uh, we'll see you on the other side.